You're listening to the Collab Talk podcast, episode 55 of the MVP BuzzChat series. In this episode, I'm talking with Microsoft Regional Director and Dual MVP in Microsoft Azure and Office Apps and Services, Addis Hugo. Hey, this is Christian Buckley with another MVP Buzz Chat, and I'm here this morning with Addis. And good, good morning. Good evening, Christian. I'm, I'm, I'm talking from another side of the pond. Hey, how are you doing, man? I'm doing doing really well. So, for folks that don't know you, uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us about yourself, where you are, what you do, and uh, how long you've been an MVP. All kind of those good details. Oh, right. Um, my name is Adis Jugum. I'm uh, living and working from Germany uh, in Europe. Um, in my day job, I'm working as a chief strategy officer for uh, Syskit, company that was formerly known as Acceleration. For all of you uh, folks uh, who are in the SharePoint space, you probably already know uh, SP Docket, uh, SharePoint Documentation Toolkit. We are also very active in the Office 365 governance space, uh, in Microsoft 365 governance space, basically, we want you, when you uh, think of Office 365 government, to first think of us. That's basically what we do. Um, night job is basically, uh, yeah, some people have different hobbies. Some uh, have dogs, some uh, play football. I'm organizing conferences. Uh, so my uh, night job basically is an organization of European Collaboration Summit, which turned to be according to Microsoft, uh, officially the largest community-initiated, uh, uh, Microsoft community-initiated uh, event in the world, with 2,100 attendees this year. That is fantastic. It's huge. For those that aren't aware, too, there's, a, there's an American component of that, so Rackley um, running that one out of uh, Branson, Missouri, which is a great event as well. Yeah. It's yeah. a great it's, it's sister a great event. great event. The difference is we are actually be, uh, doing it in a civilized area, whereas Rockley is doing it in Branson. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no. If people don't know where Branson is, too, that's the, uh, like, what, is that right near where Walmart was headquartered? And, you know, but it's, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, I, it's beautiful out there, but I'm telling you, well, like, coming from the Western U.S., I, like, you have got to fly, like, uh, like I think I got there last year via Atlanta and then to Branson. I there was a direct flight from the West. I actually think actually how um, how much courage Mark had to have to place a community event actually there and to actually make it working. So here's kudos to Mark. Yeah. So the, our sister conference is in Branson, Missouri, uh, for better or worse. And I was there for the past two years. I will probably be uh, there also the next year. So uh, yeah. So that's. That's my night job passion, basically organizing this conference. It's, uh, there are a lot of, uh, it's, it's a lot of work, but it's really a lot of fun, Christian. You as someone who is uh, active in community, who know uh, that you know how much fun this can be and how much pleasure it can bring. I know, and, and, and the, the, your event always gets such high praise from all the speakers. As you and I have talked about the last couple of years, I mean, the di- difficulty is that you put it the week following the SharePoint conference in Vegas. These type I, so, two weeks. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's just it's difficult to, as you know, I mean, it, it's a huge effort, especially when you're independent, to be on the road for that, that long with major events. But 
you know, it's, and, and let me ask you too. I mean, I was, I was a little bit disappointed that you moved venues. It's great that you moved it to Germany. It's growing, but your previous location was, was yes, was incredibly beautiful locations there. Well, that's true. But uh, we have at some point of time realized that maybe one third of people are coming there from Croatia and the two thirds of people are coming from everywhere else in Europe. And even I mean, in Croatia, we had people from the States coming, we had people from South Africa coming, we had people from India coming. So it, it was even there, we had people from all over. So basically, uh, we came to, um, we came, uh, to idea, we teamed up with Matthias and SharePoint Saturday Munich uh, back then and said, okay, let's uh, join the forces and... Uh, Germany is still central in Europe, and yep. uh, it's easier to fly to Frankfurt, which is the largest, second largest European airport, than to fly to Zagreb. It's always one leg less uh, right. to, try, uh, to fly. It's this is all those little things, you know. It's not so. Yeah, we do miss Zagreb. We might make a spin-off in Zagreb at some point, just for the sake of fun. Uh, but the major main event is going to remain in Germany for for the time being. Well, that's that's it's it's great to see that up and running. Uh, you know, that, uh, besides the, I mean. So you've been in the space for a long time. I think I got to know you, I mean, because when I used to do a lot of the SharePoint Saturday events, you've been very involved in the community. Kind of what are your, so I know what, what your company does. I mean, what have you been out there talking about? Kind of what are, what are your areas of passion? What are you known for, the topics? I am a developer, so um, my background, uh, even if nowadays i do a lot of other stuff beside development or you can even argue the least what i do today is uh, development but i am developer by background and my way of thinking is like that so actually i move in the spaces developer space moves um i am um, i'm i was MVP, sharepoint mvp when this thing started the sharepoint mvps you remember the times and they changed our names for seven eight times in the meantime um now i was until recently i was uh Office Apps and Services MVP and Office Development MVP. Now, five days ago, I switched to Azure MVP, Azure uh, instead of Office, uh, Office Tab. So what I do right now mainly uh, is, of course, connected to my company. That is a lot of uh, prototyping on um, Office 365 and Azure, how those things go together, how to delegate some services from Office 365 to Azure, how, how the whole thing uh, from the developer point of view or from the software architect's point of view, uh, construct. I am partly also involved in what's going on with SharePoint framework, but not that much. Mm-hmm. I crystallize myself to be more on the Azure side and on the backend side of the things, which is probably a good thing. And um, this is actually what I do. My top, it always reflects to what I talk to people about. Uh, right now, I'm I was looking at my session for this year. One is replacing event handlers and timer jobs in Office 365. So for the old SharePoint developers who use to develop those things in a classic way, how, they, how can they do it in Office 365? Uh, another topic I have is um, enriching uh, SharePoint uh, data, uh, make, uh, creating automated metadata extraction on SharePoint Online use, using Azure Cognitive Services. And this kind of stuff. So you see, it's basically development, connecting SharePoint online and Office 365 on one side and Azure on another side. You know, that, that's fascinating because just to dig in a little bit deeper into that uh, metadata extraction, I mean, that, that is remains. So I talk a lot with yeah. people, with MVPs, about 
uh, as you know, about information architecture, and that's core part of governance and management and search and kind of all those topics. And how much do you make you know, rely on uh, uh, the the st structure and make your environment uh, Office three sixty five? What's the right right phrase for it? So to make it very you know, structured so that as as people interact with them, it almost it, it it pulls out certain data. It it forces them to uh, maybe this is too strong of a phrase there forces them to go in there and apply certain metadata rules around that. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to balance that between some level of manual and automated. And I think most organizations are failing on the automation side of that. And they don't even realize how actually convenient that is nowadays with uh, Azure Cognitive Services. I mean, I call it, uh, you know, I always try to uh, put some fun, uh, some jokes in my sessions. Uh, I, I, I call it uh, Cognitive Services, I call it uh, machine learning and AI for poor people. In a joke, it's but it basically is machine learning abstracted uh, to a level where basically everybody can use. You don't even have to be a developer. Of course, it's easier if you can develop it, if you put that in a SPFX. But you can even use Power Apps. You can use Flow for the stuff like that. I was last week. I was in um, SharePoint Saturday Netherlands in Dianen, which is basically probably one of the best. Not probably is for sure one of the best SharePoint Saturdays or on our side of pond. The, those guys are doing a marvelous job. So I was uh, even though they're, gonna, they're even though they're going to lose the World Cup to the U.S. <laughs> I'm I'm pulling the neutrality here. So uh, yeah. you know, there's those football um, uh, there's those football or how you call it on the other side of uh, pond soccer. We call it proper football. Uh, there's this rivalry between Germany and Netherlands, uh, always uh, in the sport. Um, so yeah, we are going to see how the World Cup uh, is going to end. But I was uploading the picture of their football player, Arjen Robben, uh, in SharePoint uh, document library. And there was immediately tagging through cognitive services, Arjen Robben throwing a ball. And I heard voices from audience, you faked it. I was like, no, I didn't. Let's find any other picture, any other football player. Boom, upload document library, it works. So people don't realize how good it actually in the meantime is. So we are not anymore in 2007 times, you remember very well, uh, when all those third party uh, metadata extraction, extraction tools, they were not bad, but they were using the classical, dig into the file, try to find the keyboards, return those keyboards and hope for the best. Right. We have actually AI working over the same data now, actually giving you the keyboard relevancy on the scale from zero to one, where one being totally relevant, zero being totally irrelevant, uh, uh, giving you the relevancy of the keyboard, keyboard uh, applied to your uh, content, it's, it's actually brilliant. And so, but how much of that is is truly like you, you know, like out of the box, or how much does it have to learn to adapt to be able to? Proved to be that you know that useful for an organization because that was one of the you know and I know it's slightly different here but um, like when Delve was announced and they mm -hmm. went out and, and Microsoft really started talking about uh, uh, AI and machine learning and, mm -hmm. and and these these cognitive services it's you know, that was kind of the first application and most people like they went and they saw it and they saw no data and there look there are multiple problems there that you know one it didn't have the 
the connectors, the, you know, the, the edges into the various workloads, the services that are out there. So if there's no data to populate it, your results are not going to be great. But then it also needed to have interaction and for you to learn and say, no, that is not correct, or actually this is missing from it, for the system to learn and adapt and get better. Um, so, you know, we've, we've had a few years under our belt somebody goes and builds this kind of automation starts working with cognitive services i mean again what how much footwork is needs to happen behind the scenes of the developer side to make that uh, so actually let, business relevant and you let me crash this directly here in the talk if you are able to make a flow simplest of flows upload the document Extract document ID, save document. If you are able to do that, you are able to use these uh, cognitive services. So you are speaking basically the very low entry level user. Of course, if you are a developer, you can do way more. Uh, then you know what the endpoints are and how they are working. But in order to make this Aryan Robin thing working, which I told you, Aryan Robin throwing a ball, you don't need to be a developer. You just need to uh, be able to make a basic flow uh, in, order, uh, in order for that to work. The learning part, the thing learning about us. So the beauty of cognitive services, it is relying on Microsoft ML and the AI stack underneath, obviously. So it gives you the whole learn, so the whole uh, learning from all the other people in the world using in the same time. Too. At some point of time, this thing learned how Arian Robin looks like, and right. what the ball is, and what the action of throwing the ball is. And it's able basically without learning about your business to recognize those things and actually to make a to make a meaningful sentence about it. How I mean, how are you seeing this this newer technology? I mean, accepted. It's it seems like it's still there's I mean, there's a ton going on, and we've got also have to be we've got to be careful in the community that we're all talking to each other. We're learning about these exciting projects. Is that a true reflection? of adoption and usage that's happening out within the customer base? Well, we do know that the customer base always comes two, three years later. So remember, uh, I remember when you started talking about governance, uh, for a lot of people, it was like, what is Buckley talking about right now? And the two years later, is basically everybody was talking about governance. Uh, yeah, the point is, um, um, especially in Europe. Sometimes Europe can be pretty conservative, even if Netherlands is actually one of the more progressive parts of the Europe. Um, I get questions like, but I'm working for a government, I'm, we are contractor for a government, we can't send uh, things to cloud. Can, uh, can I um, have the cognitive services on premises? And my answer was, you would need a really big computer. You would probably need such a large computer that you wouldn't be to, uh, able to fit it in any of your governance offices. So uh, people are still sometimes thinking the old ways. Uh, yes, I do realize there are government contractors, financial contractors, defense contractors, right. But they, they are going to uh, need to find some other ways to do that. But let's say for standard normal businesses running who are not afraid of running in the cloud. And honestly, I had my first Office 365 talk in 2011. So I think we should, uh, we should in the meantime, get kind of used and comfortable with Office 365 being with us. Um, it's coming. A lot of people don't know it's there. A lot of people say, oh, we have Office 365. We have Azure. Why don't we combine those things? 
I see this becoming the whole machine learning and AI. I see this becoming a huge topic, major topic in the next two to three years. You know what's fascinating? So I had an interview earlier this week with uh, someone we were talking about, uh, just as you and I, before we started recording, we're talking about um, you know, my startup days back in the late yeah. 90s, early 2000s. And, uh, you know, so I went to a, a startup in early 2001, a company called E2Open, uh, mm -hmm. and built a hosted collaboration, hub and spoke model collaboration platform. But it was, it was a dedicated cloud environment for our clients. And, the, and we were dealing with initially, we had uh, 10 or 12 founding companies, little companies like IBM, um, mm. uh, Selectron, uh, Nortel, Lucent, you know, like little companies. Yeah. Yeah. And we struggled with them. These were the companies that founded us, uh, mm -hmm. this, this company, um, to convince them to move assets over into the cloud. And that was in 2001, 2002. What I find fascinating is that here we are, 2019, when we recorded this, it's, uh, and a lot of those same concerns, I mean, less or so, there's more companies that are out doing things, you know, but those same concerns are there. And what usually happens in those conversations, and I would argue this, you probably experience this even over in some, you know, contractor and, and government entities in Europe that are tighter controls over personal information usage, they say, oh, we can't go and use these cloud assets. And then you go and look at their infrastructure and you find that's a cloud service. That's a cloud service. You're right. using these things already today. I mean, yeah. how much are you having to do, you know, now in 2019, education around the security of the cloud and the risks of the cloud versus doing it themselves on-prem? Hey, you pinpoint the problem. They don't do, they're paying the hundreds of thousands of dollars to, do, to move the stuff on prem which exists on cloud. And then yet in the same time you go to a department and you see people there using Trello and putting all other uh, sensitive information basically in the Trello thing. Like, we, should, um, we should talk about how our concerns of security, let's discuss that in our Slack channel. <laughs> right, in our Slack channel. Right? It's, that's, that's actually a perfect uh, example. So yeah, I have seen that. There, there are going to be customers who will never be able to move to the cloud. And we know that, we need to know that um, hybrid is probably here to stay uh, for a lot, uh, lot of companies, for a lot of services. Um, but I also have really um, one of my old customers who still talk to me, um, that was supposed to be a joke. <laughs> they are like, but can we, with our information, can we move, uh, move to another look? You guys are selling real estate. You are not making weapons. You are not defense contractor. You are not a bank. You are just selling real estate. There is no reason for you literally not to go to cloud. Right. This well, is like... Yeah. It, well, I mean, I do... I, I, what, I think one of the from my perspective in working predominantly with the small to medium sized businesses, um, even in the ISV, you know, marketplace, a lot of my, most, all of my clients really are in the ISV space, but, uh, is that what it has done is it's lowered the, the barrier of entry for startups. Like you and I could go spin up and start a company and be, have access to incredibly mature and powerful tools and capability, we don't have to go and build that up. It's, it's no longer a barrier for, for yeah. smart. 
you know, and, and so that's something. That's why you see more and more, you know, born in the cloud is the phrase that's used. You know, companies that are starting up. And the, the danger then becomes, and, and I agree with you, hybrid's not going away. As you know, I mean, I did, I've done the research on it. We, the numbers, we proved Microsoft sponsored that research. They were also surprised by the strength uh, of, of, of hybrid in the SharePoint space. I, I, there's a, there, we're actually wrapping up, uh, so I can't share the, the updated stats, but we have a, a 2019 refresh of that 2017 study, okay. mm-hmm. um, which you can find if you go to hybrid.collabtalk.com mm-hmm. uh, or hybrid SharePoint. If you type in hybrid SharePoint collab doc in search, you'll find it. But it's a free report that's out there that came out in, the, in Q1 2017. But in Q1 2017, it was that uh, over the next uh, three to five years that 70% or more of SharePoint environments would be hybrid. And I think the data from the update uh, shows that the move towards the cloud has accelerated, which we also said was going to happen. Um, but it's still a sizable majority of organizations that say we have no date on the calendar of when we'll turn off these on-prem components. Yep. It makes business sense for us to, to maintain do that. So hybrid will continue being, being around. You know, there are reasons for that to even. I mean, we have, we have seen a customer who has applications developed on top of SharePoint on-premises, uh, which they know they are going to use for the next four to five years, but not longer. This is where, where the uh, life cycle of that application is going to die. Right. For them to redevelop that for cloud would literally be too expensive. It's right. cheaper to upgrade SharePoint to the next version and to keep it running for the next one or two versions than to pay army of developers to take that apart and redevelop it as a service. Right. Well, that was the, the kind of the key, the whole switch from capital expenditures to operational expenditures. And I I just kind of put my project management 101 hat on and said, we can't go spend new money until we've achieved the benefits of the money we've already spent. Right right there, that delays a move towards the cloud. But I Mm -hmm. do think that it's it's smart what Microsoft did and a lot of other vendors Mm -hmm. of going and recognizing this and spinning up spending more time more making more investment in hybrid in connectors and making it easier to leverage those legacy on-premises environments uh, and, and tools and systems and all all that you've built but also taking advantage of the new features that are in the cloud that's 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 perfectly true I mean if you remember now I'm going to pull the very first public demo of Power Apps, which was done by Scott Hanselman uh, on Channel 9, where he basically took as a case, he took an ages-old SQL database, which was somewhere on-premises, and there was uh, an application out of that. He put the on-prem gateway, got the data app, and put the Power App around it. In half an hour, the thing was working. So yeah, we will see the models uh, working. It. Are they glitch? Let's not do the marketing talk. Are they glitches in that process? Yes, they are. Are they based around those glitches? Yes, they are. So it is possible, we'll see, especially in the space of Power BI. A lot of people are taking data to the uh, uh, on-prem gateway, 
uh, to actually do some decent dashboard, dashboards in cloud if they don't want to invest in the Power BI on-prem infrastructure, which is now also possible. But a lot of people are doing exactly that way, uh, doing the uh, gateway, pushing the data to the uh, Power BI service in the cloud and doing the dashboards in the cloud. We are going to see those and those stuff more and more. Search, I don't even, don't even start with search. It's unified search is a big, big thing right now. Well, yeah, so I had that exact scenario. I had a healthcare client that mm -hmm. was concerned that about pushing data from one of their on-premises environments to the cloud. And so they did exactly that. They had that gateway. They, they, uh, they essentially created a you know, cloud-based, like a data mart, a subset of that, that would, you know, on a regular basis, publish changes to that, but then had all the reporting, their dashboards with all of the real-time and you know, cloud-based data all you know, integrated into that, that, you know, that dashboard. And so they were able to modernize their business while maintaining you know, their concerns. And I would, ha I would argue that most of their concerns were unfounded uh, you know, around the security risks of, of maintaining, having to maintain that. But it's not for me to say, not my business. I was saying, look, it is possible to do that. Here's how you can go and do that. And uh, in a very cost-effective manner. So uh, yeah, there are, there are definitely solutions that are out there for those clients that have to maintain that infrastructure. I mean, even for us, which, are, uh, which is a cloud company, uh, uh, we have our CRM still for the reasons why we are running it in Sages. We have our uh, CRM still on premises, but we have our dashboards in cloud. Since we are also a distributed team, not everybody sits, uh, sits in the Syskit headquarters. Uh, a lot of us are around the globe. Um, yeah, that, that, that just works uh, that way. Yep. Well, well, honestly, I really appreciate this. is uh, you know, it's a great topic. I know that we could we could spend an hour just digging into on the dev side of that and what's happening and and kind of a question that I I, I thought we would go into, but it was the you know what's changed about the de development experience um, with this transition. I think maybe we should come back and and connect again and and dive yeah. into the topic well, a lot. What, I mean, developer 10 years ago, especially SharePoint developer 10 years ago and SharePoint developer today are two different personas. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, Adis, how, how do people want to find out more about you? What's the best way to get in touch with you and connect with you? The best way is either Twitter, uh, where I'm semi-active, but I am there, or through my blog posts. Um, I have, I'm blogging... Um, on two platforms, actually, uh, I have uh, my own uh, adisyugo.com, which is my standard uh, blog post, which is uh, going on. But I also now um, blog a lot on Syskit's platform, uh, uh, blogging platform, uh, exactly about the topics we actually talked about, uh, main, uh, maintaining power-ups and flows, actually, it's a big topic. We have power-ups and flows, but how to, how to maintain, how to do the governance. Not an easy, not an easy thing to do. They are base and... Uh, and, 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 and going around uh, to do that. Uh, my blog post, my Twitter, and what I would love for, uh, for the people how to connect with me, my preferred way would be people coming to Wiesbaden in June 2020 and having a coffee or a beer together. Yeah, that's what, just, just uh, you wanna find out a little bit more about Adas, book flights now, purchase a ticket, go to the conference and-, and uh, Our conference tickets are ex insanely expensive. They're going to be 180 to 200 bucks uh, this year. This, this is insane for a three-day conference. Yeah, that's, that's, that's cr those are crazy numbers. I don't see how you're getting 2,100 people. Wow. Yeah, these are crazy <laughs> numbers. Yeah, 
the point is it's a community initiated content we are not making uh, our own bucks out of that so we have day jobs this is our fun level to do for the uh, for, for the so basically yeah um especially if you are in europe you're actually crazy if you don't come uh basically it's 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 fun. It's 2,000 people. It's the best speakers in the world. Uh, we are hoping to, the, to the get Christian Buckley at some point of time as well. Um, yes, uh, uh, it's, we had 25 Microsoft corporate speakers this year, including big names in Microsoft, mainly from the Office 365 SharePoint group and Teams group this year. A lot of Teams people from Microsoft are there with us. We had a lot of 14 AWS people. AWS uh, is also there, but uh, from the community perspective, 11 regional directors and 71 MVPs. Wow. I think those are the numbers that are really unparalleled anywhere. Yeah. So, A, sessions are really good. We had average sessions rating like 4.8 or something really crazy out of five. Um, food is good, drinks are good, fun is really good. So. What's there not to like? Well, I, I hope to be there this next year. So uh, looking forward to the call to speakers and getting some uh, ideas out there, and we'll see what happens. <coughs> September. <coughs> September. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, hey, it was great talking to you as always. And uh, it, we'll, we'll talk soon. Talk to you soon. Bye, man.